Welcome to the sermon podcast of Southside Baptist Church, a body of Christ located in beautiful Norman Park, Georgia. We are so glad you chose to listen in today. It's our prayer you would find the message of Jesus Christ compelling and uplifting, and that your life would be changing continually from hearing the Word of God. If you would like more information about our church or would like more digital content, please feel free to check us out on the web at southsidenp.org. And now for today's message. If you have our Bibles this morning, turn with me back to the book of 1 John. You have your Bible or your electronic device, whatever you choose to use to read God's Word. I've not gotten to the electronic device portion yet. I don't trust it just yet. I like to hear the flip of the pages of God's Word. 1 John chapter 4 verses 13 through 21. This is part 2 of our message. The proof that one truly loves God. We love as God loves. We love as God loves. And by way of reminder, there's a uh, outline in your bulletin if you'd like to follow along uh, as we go through our message uh, this morning. So part two of our message. First John chapter 4 verses 13 through 21. If you found that, please stand as we honor the reading of God's word. This morning, John writes this, by this, we know that we abide in him and he in us because he has given us of his spirit. And we have seen and testified that the father has sent his son to be the savior of the world. And whoever confesses that Jesus is the son of God, God abides in him and he in God. So we have come to know and to believe the love of That God has for us. God is love. And whoever abides in love. Abides in God. And God abides in him. By this is love perfected with us. So that. We may have confidence. For the day of judgment. Because as he is. So also are we in this world. There is no fear in love. But perfect love casts out fear, for fear has to do with punishment, and whoever fears has not been perfected in love. We love because he first loved us. If anyone says, I love God, and hates his brother, he is a liar. For he who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. And 21, and this commandment we have from him. Whoever loves God must also love his brother. Father God, we again come to you as we begin to prepare to hear your words this morning, Lord. It's it's all about love. You are love. Your very nature is love. One of the characteristics of you is love, and you can be nothing other than love. And as followers of Christ... Our very nature should be that of love as well as we love one another because you first loved us. Talk about this love and as we talk about evidence of us as followers of Christ, we are to have that love. We are to have that same nature. 
Lord, there are some things and some evidences and some assurances that we have that we know that we do love as you love. Father, we thank you, and it's in Jesus' name we ask all these things. And amen. Thank you. You may be seated. The question I have for you this morning is this. Do you love as God loves? If so, how can you be sure? Are there assurances? Are there things in your life? Is there evidence that you love and I love as God loves? Billy had never been in serious trouble before. Sure, he'd given his mom fits on occasion and spent some time in the principal's office at school, but comparatively speaking, those were minor infractions. Overall, Billy was a good boy. But in a moment of rage, things had drastically changed. Billy found himself in the fight of his life. He sat in that courtroom that day wondering how it had all gone so wrong. How could he have gotten so upset, so upset that he lashed out and severely injured someone? Billy's attorney had assured him the courts would go easy. Billy wasn't so sure, however. How could they, how could they go easy, he thought. The evidence was overwhelming. There were multiple eyewitnesses. They had Billy's fingerprints. All pointed to Billy being the one who had lost his temper and severely injured the other. And with this overwhelming evidence, sure enough, sure enough. With this overwhelming evidence, Billy was tried and sentenced to life in prison without the possibility of parole. I wonder this morning, would the evidence against us be overwhelming? Would the evidence that we love as God loves, would it be so overwhelming that when we stand before God in judgment, He said, yes, you did love as I love. Would there be any doubt That we had indeed done what we were being accused of. And that is to love as God loves. Would they have enough evidence to convict me and to convict you? We come to the close of this particular portion of Scripture. And we continue to look at the very evolving topic of love. When you look at 1 John... John comes back to this topic of love and loving one another multiple times. He continues to expound on this topic. Evidence that we are followers of Christ. Evidence that we are children of God is that we love one another. We love fellow believers in Christ. Part one of the message we talked about last week was love was perfected in the believer. We saw that it was perfected because we had that position in Christ. We were born of God and we know God. And also that we bear witness to God's love. 
the disciples and the apostles bore witness to God. They got to see Christ. They got to see the love of God manifested in Jesus Christ. But we too are to bear witness of that love. As Christians, we too are to bear witness. People are to see the love of God in and through us. John transitions here a bit and he moves from love perfected to the assurances of the believer that they truly have been born of God, that they truly know God, and there are evidences of that assurance. So the point this morning is this. John encouraged his readers that the love of one another is the assurance that one truly loves as God loves. And for us as Christians, we can be sure also that we truly love as God loves if we love one another. If we love one another. So John gives us three assurances this morning. And we can be sure that we love as God loves when these assurances are evident in our lives. Number one, number one, the spirit that indwells within the believer. The spirit that indwells within the believer. Look at verse 13. John writes this is by this. We know that we abide in him and he in us. Because he has given us of his spirit. The assurance for the believer is the spirit that dwells within. The spirit within is proof that the, fel- that the fellowship experience between the believer and God is genuine. It's real. In other words, John is saying here, make no mistake, reader. You can be certain that you have fellowship with God. You can be certain that you are a child of God. That you dwell with Him. But more importantly, that He dwells in you by the presence of the Spirit. The presence of the Holy Spirit. The Spirit. The Spirit is given at the point of salvation. Make no mistake, when we are born again, when we are become children of God, we receive the Spirit. The Spirit is not given to us at a later date. When you and I accept Christ as personal Lord and Savior, we immediately receive the Spirit of God. We are indwelt with God Himself. There's no waiting period. There's no new member class to complete before we receive the Spirit. Notice what John says He has given. That speaks of a past experience. It speaks of something that's already been done. The believer already possessed The Spirit of God. We already possess the Spirit of God if you are a child of God. John also says, of the Spirit. Of the Spirit. What John is saying there, it speaks of the product of our participation in the Spirit's presence. When we receive the Spirit of God as children of God... We receive spiritual gifts from God. In other words, it is the manifestation of the Spirit. It is the activity of the Spirit. It's the fruits of our works. And our works, the things that we do for God, we receive of the Spirit of God. In this case, John is dealing with a love for child of God, once the child of God has received the indwelling of the Spirit, will be to love 
one another. To love our fellow believers in Christ. To love our fellow brothers and sisters in Christ. But he goes on and he says there's more. Look at verses 14 and 15. And we have seen and testified that the Father has sent His Son to be the Savior of the world. So whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in Him and He in God. Not only is the Spirit an assurance, but John talks about the eyewitness of the Savior. John and the other apostles, they were eyewitnesses of God's love through the manifestation of Jesus, God's Son. They were eyewitnesses of the Savior. Savior there is the Messiah through whom God gives salvation. The Messiah through whom God gives this Spirit. The only Savior. We see that in John 14, 6. This would have been an additional assurance. John was saying, hey, we're eyewitnesses of this. We're eyewitnesses of the Savior. We're eyewitnesses of the Son of God coming in human form to save the world, to give us the opportunity to have the indwelling of the Spirit, to give us the opportunity to confess our sins and spend eternity with God. But John is making an additional truth claim here. He's, he's this further claim of who Christ was. The authority of, of Christ. The ability of Jesus to save. We've talked about this previously. The humanity of Christ and the deity of Christ. Jesus was 100% human and He was 100% God. And that was the only way that Jesus could be Savior. Christ was the Savior. Christ had the authority to save. Christ had the ability to save. And whoever makes that confession, John says, confess there means to declare openly, to speak out freely that Jesus is the Son of God. Now notice if you look back at verse 2, this is similar to what John says, every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh. Verse 2 speaks of the humanity of Christ. Jesus coming in the flesh. Manifestation of, of Christ. The incarnation of Jesus. But here John speaks of the deity of Jesus in verse 15. Notice the reality of that claim. Those who confess that Jesus is the Son of God, they have true fellowship with God. It's a mutual relationship, though. Notice. It's not that we have fellowship with God, but God has fellowship with us as well. What an amazing thing that God God created us for fellowship. He created us for a relationship. God wants relationship with us. God wants fellowship with us. One commentator puts it this way. Confession of Christ as Son of God... And divine love operating in the believer are clearly related. For without the divine living within, there is no hope for the love of God to be found in the person. And thus, no hope for love because God is love. In other words, no God, no love. No God, no love. Furthermore... 
He goes on in verse 16. He says, so we have come to know and to believe the love that God has for us. For God is love. And whoever abides in love abides in God and God abides in him. This is essentially a summation from chapter 3, verses 34 through 4.15. The point, if you will, John kind of ends here. Note the order that John talks about. He says, we have come to know and to believe. Know there, it speaks of experience. This is more than intellectual knowledge of something. It's more than knowing of Jesus. But knowing Christ, having experienced Christ, having that salvation experience, putting our faith and trust in Jesus. And that leads to our belief to believe and embrace that God has made known things through Christ or concerning Christ. In other words, John is saying we must first experience the love of God before we can believe God's love. You can't believe God's love without experiencing God's love. John goes back again. We see this theological truth that God is love. The very nature of God is love. The very nature of God. God can't be anything other than love. And because of that, those of us who are children of God, the evidence in our lives... That we love a child of God. The evidence in our lives that we love as God loves is when we love one another. When we love our fellow believers in Christ. It compels us to love others. We love as God loves. God loves and God is love. So we too should be love. We too should love as God loves. Let me summarize it this way. It is the love of God living within the believer that allows us to love our fellow believers. As God's love works within us, we have the ability to love fellow believers and by implication, non-believers as well. We love the world as well. It is also this love that compels us to preach. It compels us to teach the truths of Scripture. We want to see people saved. We want to share the gospel. We want to help fellow believers and non-believers as well to overcome the bondage of sin in their lives because we love them as God loves them. How? God's love living and operating within us. The indwelling of the Spirit. The indwelling of the Spirit. That's the only power that you and I need to love as God loves. Loves. In our strength, this is impossible. We know with God all things are possible. So it's that indwelling of the Spirit. We love because God loves. And we have God living within us as a child of God. That's evidence that we are a child of God. That's evidence that we love as God loves. Book of Acts. Luke writes this, he says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of 
the earth. So how does that apply to us? What applies this way? Love for one another flows directly from our participation with the spirit that we receive upon our salvation. God is love. That is his very nature. Thus, God dwelling within the believer makes love for fellow believers possible. The divine love gives the believer the power to love one another. That divine love is that spirit, the Holy Spirit that dwells within the believer. When we experience God's love, it leads to confidence in God's love. Confidence in God's love comes from our experience of God's love. That experience comes through Christ and our relationship with Jesus. So let me ask you this this morning. Do you know Christ? Do you know Christ? Do you have God dwelling within you? So we can be sure because we have the indwelling spirit of God living within us. But one thing we must consider is this, that the Bible is clear. That one day we will stand before God in judgment. One day we will be judged for what we've done here on this earth. So point number two is this. The evidence there is the confidence that overcomes the believer's fear. Confidence that overcomes the believer's fear. Romans 14.12 says this. So that each of us will give an account of himself to God. 1 Corinthians 3.12-15. Now if anyone builds on the foundation with gold and silver and precious stones, wood, hay, straw, each one's work. Will become manifest. For the day will disclose it. Because it will be revealed by fire. And fire will test what sort of work each one has done. Hebrews 9.27 says this. And just as it appointed for man to die once. And after that comes the judgment. You and I will be judged for our works. We now be judged for what we've done for God. Look at verse 17. It says, by this love perfected with us so that we may have confidence for the day of judgment. Because as he is, so also are we in this world. With the possibility of judgment comes fear. We could be fearful people. Would you agree? We fear all kinds of things. Myself, personally, I don't like snakes. Spiders. Some fear water. Some fear heights. Some fear growing old. Some fear the basically what comes next. Some fear death. Basically what comes next. What comes after I take my last breath. What comes after uh, I die. The afterlife. And when we think about death, when we think about the unknown, we also need to consider judgment. We'll be judged for what we've done for Christ. Fear can be paralyzing. When we fear, it oftentimes keeps us from doing anything. It causes us not to do anything for God. Perfected there, it means to bring something to completion. 
We see it also in verse 12 last week. Or fulfillment to reach its intended goal. So engaging in the activity of loving fellow believers speaks of God's love being perfected within the believer. In other words, when we love others, when we love our fellow brothers and sisters in Christ, God's love is being perfected in us. It's not our love. Our love is anemic. Our love is, is, is insignificant. It's, in, it, it's, it's, it's imperfect. But as we love others, God's love is perfected in us. And when God's love is being perfected in us, it gives us confidence for the day of judgment. Now notice, now we need to make a, a clarification here. This is not the great white throne judgment spoken of in Revelation. That's when non-believers are going to be judged. This is when you and I stand before God. Those of us who are followers of Jesus Christ. Those of us who have put our faith and trust in Christ. Accepted Him as personal Lord and Savior. When we stand before God. And we have to answer the question. Why did you not love your brother and sister in Christ? Why did you not love your neighbor in Christ? Let alone why you didn't love those who weren't in Christ. But when we love one another, when God's love is perfected in us, we can stand in confidence before the judgment. Confidence, it's boldness. And that's not an arrogant boldness that, that, that John is writing about. But a boldness that gives freedom. Freedom in the presence of God because there is nothing we have to hide. Oh, and by the way, it doesn't matter. We can't hide from God anyway. So when you stand before God, it's going to be an empty, open book, y'all. God already knows. God already knows. But we don't have anything to hide. One commentator it explains it really well. The grounds of our confidence at the judgment seat of Christ is who Jesus is and what He did for us on the cross. The Greek emphasizes He. We could translate that as He as that one. The Father was well pleased with the Son when He was on earth. This is not as Jesus was on earth, but as Jesus is in heaven. He is now in the closest fellowship of love with the Father. Note the as so connection between these two phrases. As Christ demonstrated love on earth, so the Christian's love will give him cause to have boldness at the judgment seat of Christ. The basis of our boldness. Listen, the basis of our boldness is our likeness to Christ. Insofar as we manifest God's love to others, there will be no blame on that day. We will stand there without reproach and regret. Note this is a present tense, not a future tense. We are like He is there. In other words, we are on earth or like Christ is in heaven. We are here just like He is there. He represents us there and we represent Christ here as children of God. He is my assurance that I will have His heaven. 
He is already there making room for me. He is Himself the guarantee that I will be with Him. I'd imagine that if you were to appear in court, maybe some of you have, appearing in court as a an observer in the gallery portion of the courtroom, gives us much more confidence than appearing on the other side of the bar. Having to answer for what we've done. Because you've been accused of a certain offense. So as we go and we face God in judgment, when we stand before Him, it'd be much better to stand before God as an observer Instead of one being accused of a lack of love for our fellow brothers and sisters in Christ. Because we know that we're blameless. We know that we're innocent. And we love as God. God, And we know that we have God's love living within us. And we love as God loves. Look at verse 18. Verse 18 is basically the proof of verse 17. He writes this, There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. For fear has to do with punishment. And whoever fears has not been perfected in love. In that one verse, John uses the word fear four times. And any time, A word is repeated in Scripture. You need to pay attention to that word. There's some significance to that word. Fear there, it's it's phobos in the the Greek. It's where we get our word phobia. Where we get our word phobia. Again, we talked about those fears. We're fearful of, of, of a lot of things. And one of those things is death. And one of those things is the judgment afterwards as well. But notice what John writes. He says, perfect love. Perfect love. Well, what is perfect love? Perfect love is God's love. And it's God's love in us. And God perfects His love in us. Because again, our love is imperfect. Our love is anemic compared to the love of God. But this perfect love that John is writing about is God's love. John is a master at contrast. He contrasts that that perfect love, God's love, with our love and our, our anemic kind of love. And he says there's no room for the love of God and fear. You can't have fear and the love of God in the same heart. When we have the love of God, when God's love, that perfect love is within the believer, there's a freedom from fear. Why? Because we can look forward to the judgment. We can look forward to standing before God knowing that we're blameless, knowing that we're innocent, knowing that I've loved my fellow brother and sister in Christ. Because God's love is being perfected in me. And I'm loving as God loves. So we have no fear. He says fear has to do with punishment. It's a lack of reward. It's produced by fear and one's conscious of sin before the love of God brings peace at salvation. 
We fear because we stand before God wondering whether or not we've loved our brother and sister in Christ. Maybe I have, maybe I haven't. Maybe God's love has not been perfected in me. Now, I want to make a distinction here because we may think of fear when we're, what, is there a healthy type of fear? Well, the Bible speaks of a healthy type of fear when we're talking about being our fear and our relationship with God and our, our commitments to God. In Proverbs 1 7, the Bible says this, the fear of the Lord is what? The beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom. And instruction. This fear that we're talking about here, it speaks of awe, it speaks of reverence. A proper fear towards a holy and sovereign God. So when we stand in awe of God, when we stand in reverence of God, that's a proper and a healthy type of fear. The fear that John is speaking of here is a fear of, of just, of, of just, just painful fear of alarm as we stand before God in judgment. And we have to answer the question, why did you not love your fellow brother and sister in Christ? I am love, God says. That is my very nature. I've given you my nature. When you accepted me as your personal Lord and Savior, you have the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. You are a child of God. But you stand before me in fear because you didn't love as I love. The lack of love is seen in our lack of love for our fellow believers in Christ. We should fear judgment, yeah? When we don't love our fellow brothers and sisters in Christ, when we don't love as God loves, we should fear judgment. We sure should fear standing before God and have to answer the question why. We should fear that lack of that lack of reward. Psalm twenty seven three says, Though an army encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. Yet I will be confident. When the love of God is perfected in us as seen through our love of fellow believers, we have no reason, no reason to fear judgment. When we stand before God, we can be confident that our love for one another is evident. And it's evidence that we love as God loves. So this morning, do you fear judgment? Do you fear judgment? There's one final assurance that will be evident in the life of the one who loves as God loves. And that's point number three, the believer's obedience to the commandments of God. The believer's obedience to the commandments of God. Look at verse 19. We love because he first loved us. God initiated love. God initiated love in His Son, Jesus. John 3.16 He sent His Son. He sent His Son to this earth because God loved us. 
John is clear that our ability to love is a direct result of God first loving us. And may I remind you, if you are a child of God, that is only that's the only motivation you need to love your fellow believers in Christ and to love those around you. Because God first loved you. He first loved me. He could have left us in our sinful state. He could have left us in that sinful nature. We could have been destined for an eternity in hell. But He loved us and He sent Jesus. This is a divine love. So it makes sense that this type of love is from the divine. It was divinely initiated and divinely given. Since God loved us. God loved all of us. He loved every one of us. We see that love and His Son on the cross. We see that love in Jesus on the cross. We can go on loving our fellow brothers and sisters in Christ. Again, if you are a child of God, the evidence of that is the indwelling of the Holy Spirit through the power of the Spirit. That you and I have been given as children of God. We have the power to, to love our fellow believers. We're commanded to love one another. That's the only motivation that we need to love our fellow believers in Christ. Our fellow brothers and sisters. But again, here's another one of these these liar statements that John makes. And in verse 20, he says, if anyone says, I love God. If anyone says, I love God and hates his brother, he is a liar. For he who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. You can't make the statement that I love God and hate your brother or sister in Christ. You can't. You can't. Why? Because you have the love of God living in you. God is love. The very nature of love is living within you. And as you love your fellow believers in Christ, God's love is perfected in you. So when you make the statement that I love God and you hate your brother, you're not loving as God loves. And if you're not loving as God loves, maybe you're not a child of God. Maybe you don't have the indwelling of the Spirit living within you. I love God and I hate my brother. He is a liar. Liar there. It means someone who attempts to deceive by conveying misinformation. Remember, John is dealing with false teachers throughout this epistle. The false teachers, they were teaching things contrary to the Scripture. The title of our series is Back to the Basics of Christianity. John had to get the people back, his readers, back to the basics. Back to the basics. One of those basics is God is love. And those of us who have Christ living within us, those of us who have the Spirit. It's one of those basic things. That word liar is used multiple times in Scripture. We see it. But there's a complete inconsistency there. You can't have love and hate in the same heart. It's it's impossible. If we have the love of God living within us, if we love as God loves, if you and I have the Spirit of God, the Spirit of God knocks out the hate of others. You can't have the two things in the same heart. We see similar statements. Chapter 1, chapter 2. 
John makes. So how can we love God whom we have not seen if we do not love Christians who we can see? It's a good question. It's a real good question. And here's the answer. Always. For the unseen God always finds manifestation in the concrete love of others. Of others. In other words, our love for the unseen God is seen when you and I love our fellow brothers and sisters in Christ. One must always accompany the other. And then John ends here with a natural bookend. You look back at verse 7 is where he starts it. And he ends it here with a natural bookend. He says this, And this statement or commandment we have from him, whoever loves God must also love his brother. Notice what John doesn't say. Whoever loves God may love his brother or can love his brother if you feel like it. No. He says, whoever loves God must also love his brother. Must. It's a commandment. It's a requirement. Commandment there. It's a principle or a precept of the word of God. And we see this. You remember in Matthew 22, 37 through 40, Jesus said this. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. What he goes on to say, he doesn't stop there. He says, this is the great and first commandment. And second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. We love God. God initiated the love in his son Jesus. Those of us who accepted Christ as personal Lord and Savior, those of us who uh, have the Spirit living within us, we're to love our God. We're to love the God with all of our heart, our soul, and our mind. And all that love of God will naturally progress to a love of others. Because we understand that God initiated this love. Again, remember, this is an active love. It's not just a a sentiment, a mere, oh, I love you kind of thing. This is active stuff, y'all. This is serving one another. This is bear the burdens of one another. Coming alongside one another. It's active love. God's love was active. He sent His Son Jesus. God's commandments are not suggested. There's no place for deliberation. And not you can do this if you want to. There's no place for deliberation. There's no place for questioning. There's no place for debating. A Christian who loves always, always shows that love to others in concrete terms. In concrete terms. Active. It's active. The obedience we show to God is not a fearful striving to please God, but a thankful and joyous response to the love with which God, He has already provided for us through His Son, Jesus Christ. So let me ask you this morning, are you obedient to the commandments of God? In this case, are you loving 
your fellow believers in Christ. The question we opened up with as we close, the question we opened up with is, do you love as God loves? And I said, if so, how can you be sure? Well, we can be sure that we love as God loves when we can be sure because the spirit that dwells within us. The indwelling spirit provides the power to love our fellow believer. So do you have the spirit? If we have confidence that overcomes our fear at judgment. If we love God and as God loves, there's no reason for us to fear judgment. There's no reason for us to fear when we stand before God. We can stand in confidence before a holy and just God, knowing that we love as God loves because we show our love for one another. So do you fear judgment this morning? If we're obedient to the commands of God, we can be sure that we love as God loves. We are commanded to love our neighbor. So are you being obedient to the commandments of God? How you answer those questions this morning will indicate where you are in your relationship with God. And that answer will indicate the decision that you need to make this morning. The first decision that needs to be made is you need to ask yourself, do I have the Spirit? Am I being indwelt with the Holy Spirit? Have I been saved? Have I put my faith? Have I had that salvation experience? Have I put my faith and trust in Jesus Christ as my personal Lord and Savior? The next decision and the next thing that we need to understand and we need to ask ourselves as Christians is am I loving as God loves? If not, why not? If not, why not? Let's pray. Thanks again for listening today. We hope the word preached today would be used by God mightily as you go about your week. Again, if you would like more information about our church or would like more digital content, please feel free to check us out on the web at southsidenp.org. Have a blessed day and may God grant you grace this week to grow more into the likeness of Jesus.